This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the SOS Show. I'm your host, Sochita. The SOS Show, as we all know, has so far featured the lived-in experiences of real people living with various mental uh, health issues, uh, mental illnesses like schizophrenia, bipolar, clinical depression, MDD, OCD, suicides, and uh, a lot of other things. You can check it on our website, Epilogue Media, and all the other major podcasting platforms that we are present on. It's given in the description. The SOS Show also features the brave caregivers who are taking care of their loved ones ones who are suffering from various mental health issues. It also features the lawmakers who are fighting to work and change the laws around the mental health. And in today's special episode, we are continuing to talk about LGBTQIA. We have with us the very inspiring Harish Iyer. Harish uh, engages in advocacy for a number of causes, including uh, promoting the rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender community children, women, animals and survivors of child sexual abuse. He was one of the people to move the Indian Supreme Court to decriminalize homosexuality. In August 2018, the National Human Rights Commission appointed Harish Iyer to the core group on LGBTQIA. Harish is also featured on Indian movie star Amir Khan's talk show Satyamev Jayate. He has also starred with Ellen Page in a web series Geekation. Hi Harish, welcome to our podcast, The SOS Show, and thank you for joining us. It's my absolute pleasure. You know, Harish, I had I heard your beautiful TED talk a couple of days back, and um, it is such a heart wrenching talk. How did you manage to be so strong and so positive while giving that talk? What What really happens is um, if if there is a I was speaking about my life, I was speaking yes. about my sexual abuse in that talk, yeah. and um, you know, what really happens is at some point of your life, you do realize that uh, you cannot run away from your past. Your past will drag drag along wherever you go. And mm-hmm. the only thing that you can do is accept it and leave your past in your past. But also remember that that your present will always have a past. I think, I think that realization when it struck me, uh, there was nothing that was hurting me after that. Mm-hmm. Lovely. And Harish, you went through sexual abuse at the age of seven. And you also mentioned that you were, you were gang raped by your own uncle. Mm-hmm. What was your state as a child at that point? Uh, did you ever, uh, you, I, I know you, to, you mentioned that you tried to reach out to your aunt, but you were not very comfortable. How did you tackle your mental health at that point? See, around that time, um, I was um, I was living in two worlds, you know. When I was mm. when I was seven years of age, you hardly know anything about sex or sex abuse or anything of that kind. I'm forty one right now, so I'm talking mm. about some somewhere around thirty thirty seven thirty, you know, around thirty five years before. Mm. And at that time, to speak about sexual abuse, to speak about sex, um, there was no sex education. There was no one who was speaking about sex. I didn't know the right words to my body parts. Um, so for me to verbalize anything and to understand anything would be incredibly difficult because um, because I just didn't have the power of language. And when you don't have the power of language, you practically and literally 
are at loss of words where you don't understand what really is happening to you um and even otherwise the trauma was so strong that i was yes. living in two worlds i was living in a world that i was sexually abused and a world where i was not sexually abused and these two worlds were parallel and they never met each other till i was 18 so uh, so so in the sense even if even when i used to get raped i used to get raped wear my clothes back and the moment i wore my clothes back and i i used to act as if nothing happened to me 10 minutes before and used to completely get that the memory of what really happened 10 minutes ago used to completely fade off the same uncle who raped me i used to stand in front of him and act and tell him chalo ghar kab jayenge you know i mean so that's so it was that simple i used to ask him when we could go home but i wouldn't remember that i was really scared of this man uh 10 minutes ago so my mind was playing these games with me which um, uh, as of now it sounds um, very traumatic but at that time i i don't know if i if i had if i had the complete understanding of what was happening with me would i be in a position to tackle with it would i have been in a position to tackle with it would i have been in a position to confront um i i really don't know so i don't want to delve um you know i don't want to spend the rest of my life trying to see what i could have done yes uh, i want to spend the rest of my life um in understanding that if it has come to me and today i'm through it um how i can go back to the to the pit uh that i come that i have come out from put my hand inside the pit and pull another person out uh so because i know the way out so i think it's important for us who have come out of abuse to hold the torch for another person so that yes. they can come from darkness to light too yes absolutely and harish at what point did you discover in your life that uh, you were a gay um i discovered that i was gay um in fact when i was around uh, in my teenage for that matter i i knew that uh, there was this film called tarzan and yes. uh, it had himan uh, birje and uh, kimi kakkar in mm-hmm. as Tar- tarzan and jane mm-hmm. and i remember very clearly that uh, the people you know the men in my house would start salivating the moment kimi kakkar came <laughs> in her in in her white uh, outfit and suddenly you'd have all these men rewinding the scene and putting the scene my father my uncles and everybody i used to come there and i used to just wait for kimi kakkar to go away and himan birje tarzan to appear so i think i had a latent realization of what my sexuality was mm-hmm. but i was also opposed to it myself in the sense that i used to find the male anatomy very repulsive Yes. but at the same time i was getting attracted to the male anatomy also so um, so it was a state of utter confusion uh, where i didn't want to confirm to the fact that i was uh, that i was feeling towards men that i had sexual feelings towards men uh, but at the same time i was feeling all of these things and uh, so so and and i didn't know and, and the world wasn't so liberal we weren't really speaking about sexuality the way we are speaking today yes. so Uh, so it was very difficult because i didn't find i didn't find lgbt people in the streets or even in the newspaper i've never seen you know we didn't have access to the internet at that time because there was no internet so it was a tough time where i 
uh, was trying to find out what my sexuality is, but I didn't really know what my sexual. I didn't know what the word sexuality meant. Uh, sure. I just knew that I had uh, that I would uh, reach a certain age, and I just knew that there is uh, when you when you go to college, you have a girlfriend, and when you get married to the girlfriend, uh, you can have a love affair. But I never knew that love was possible between a man and a man. So there was a lot of uh, I wouldn't say repulsion, but I didn't want to think about sex with a man or think about, um, you know, give heed to uh, the feelings that I felt very subconsciously. So there was a feeling of repulsion and incredible confusion in my head. Did, did you talk uh, about it to someone close? Um, about my sexual abuse, I did speak to somebody um, mm -hmm. when I was hardly 10 years of age or something. I spoke to a friend. Mm -hmm. um, though I didn't remember my sex abuse when I was saner, I mean, when the moments that I was saner and I was not getting sexually abused, but there was this one moment, you know, we all have this moment in our lives where we know exactly, you know, you know, the second line of the song and you don't know the first line, yes. but you actually know the whole song, Lovely. but you wouldn't mm -hmm. remember the second line suddenly. Mm -hmm. So it was very similar to that. There was this one time when I remembered the full song and I mm -hmm. had my friend uh, beside me and I told my friend about my sexual abuse um, but about my sexuality I never really um, came out to anyone uh, before it by itself became the talk of the town because this one friend of mine who knew about my sexual abuse went out and told everybody that I had sex with my uncle and uh, oh there my was God. Hmm. there was there were college graffiti walls which said mm -hmm. uh, for gay sex contact Harish uh, I had mm. um, I had my caricature drawn in the wall and every mm. every vile thing that we could think of. Um, there used to be a four letter word that used to be written uh, on the desk that I would sit so that that so that I would have an impression of it on my pant. Oh so my it was it was uh, it was it was quite a devastating time for me yes. uh, in college in the first uh, two years of college. Mm -hmm. um, but. Uh, but I didn't really uh, confirm to a sexuality until I was like 24, 25. I mean, till that time, I was still battling um, various thoughts. I didn't, I didn't really want to confirm to asexuality. Mm -hmm. This is devastating, Harish. You know, somebody going through all this at such a young age. How did you manage? I mean, you did you talk to your mom? How was your mental health like? Did you go into severe depressions? Did you get nightmares? What, what was it? I I used to get a lot of nightmares. And uh, my nightmares were not about abuse per se. But my nightmares were about me losing my support systems. So I used to get... Um, I used to wake up in the middle of the night thinking that I'm uh, rushing to my mother and uh, I go into... You know, I would have played cards on that day. And, I, you know, we used to make these card tree houses using the card, mm -hmm. uh, using cards, playing mm -hmm. cards. So mm -hmm. I was making, um, I remember clearly I was making, I was making a tree house um, in, during the day. And when I was sleeping, I got this dream that, uh, got this nightmare that, my, that I'm running to my mother for help and there's somebody chasing me. And I go and touch my mother and she falls off like a pack of cards. You know, so mm -hmm. I used to get these very, very deep cinematic um, uh, impressions of um, of what my mind was playing out 
subconsciously. So, um, so I used to get this fear of losing all my support system uh, or everyone who was around me. I used to think that I'm going to lose all of them. All of them are going to die because my uncle used to threaten me that he's going to get everyone killed if uh, if I would go and confess to anyone. He, it's another thing that he just had to apply force on me the first time because after that, I would every time he and I were alone in the room, I would remove my clothes and stare and just sit in front of him. Um, and allow him to do all that he wants to do. Um, and I would never feel anything while he was doing things. Uh, I would feel pain. I would feel anger. Um, everything only after I wore my clothes for, and that too for a, for a split second, you know? Um, and so yes, uh, I don't know about depression because, uh, it was, it was a real taboo to actually, um, go to a psychologist around that time. Yeah. Uh, there yeah. were there were hardly any counselors also, so I wasn't like visiting a counselor. Um, oh, yes. Because because I wasn't even aware that this was happening to me. You know, I didn't yeah. want to uh, acknowledge that. My mind didn't acknowledge that. So um, so it was um, it was a difficult uh, time, and I tackled all of this by myself. The first person that I confessed uh, this to was when. Um, was when my um, when my uh, friend ran this uh, campaign against me in college, and there was this one day when I was, when I went to college, and there were these three friends of mine who had made uh, derogatory remarks, and I was on stage on that day. I was I was performing on that day, and the whole crowd started screaming for uh, you know good baila, all sorts of swear words, calling me a homosexual, whereas. Now I can retort back and say that, hey, yes, I am. So what? But at that time, yes. I didn't have the courage because I wasn't really aware if I was homosexual also. So there was this whole drama that was playing out. But around that time, I had my biggest strength with me because, you know, when you're really pushed down below and you're pushed and I had attempted tries, I'd attempted suicide already before I was on, I was on the stage of my college. Yeah. And... Uh, but this time when I was on stage, uh, this was after the futile attempts taking my life. I had finally understood what was happening with me. And this awakening had come within me because of my dog. Because I had started speaking to my dog. I used mm. to put my head between my dog's paws and start mm. crying every time I came home after getting raped. And in my confessions to my dog about what was happening with me, I realized that uh, I was going through uh, severe uh, sexual abuse. And there was this one time when I was on stage, uh, my dog appeared in front of me while I was standing on stage. And uh, and he gave me immense courage because I took the mic close to my mouth and I said I was seven years of age when I was sexually abused. And at seven years of age, I really enjoyed it. And I said it in a sarcastic tone. I switched off the mic, threw it in the audience and ran into, uh, ran to the loo to cry publicly for the first time. And the moment I got out of the restroom, I was escorted back to stage and uh, the whole crowd that was bullying me stood up and gave me a standing ovation. And uh, that was the beginning of the end of my trauma because that was the time when I was opening up and speaking candidly. Harish, you're so brave. You're so brave and courageous. It, I mean, I can't even even fathom what, you know, you could have psychologically gone through. And, you know, 
at any point did you feel i mean now as you recollect you could have perhaps lost a lot of feelings towards human other human being i in fact if at all it just got got way too stronger i think that uh, the fact the moment i started speaking about my sexual abuse yes. i realized the magnitude of magnitude of um of what i was speaking about because every second friend macho or otherwise uh who used to come every male person who was there females to uh there were diamond diamondazen women who came and told me about their sexual assaults but there mm-hmm. were a lot of men who came out to me and many of them would you 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 rate them as these you know either the bullies or you rate them as you look at them and you think that oh this person can be a real terror but um when they came to me and they told me what had happened to them that they were they were not patriarchal alone but they were victims of patriarchy as well and mm-hmm. and that the toxic masculinity that they reflect outside is what was what they were subjected to you know and they were sexually abused too it changed my whole uh, perception so i wasn't angry with human beings um i was if at all this had left me more empathetic towards other humans more towards animals because this realization came because of my dog but yeah i i wasn't really angry at full of human kind or uh, there was this one phase in my life though where i did really when i was when i used to get these thoughts again and again again and again i used to find it very difficult to run away from the thoughts of abuse once i started uh, recollecting those um so so it was it was difficult but i never lost my belief in human kind per se you know i i did think that i because i used to get these thoughts again and again sometimes i used to feel dirty i used to think that there's sperm all around me or there's blood all around me i used to get these dirty sticky feelings um, automatically so I, there were a lot of physiological challenges that i used to face like i used to start sweating randomly i used to have severe bad breath and body odor because i used to sweat while sweat that off often i used to uh, get scared uh, i used to get rattled by loud noises i used to be scared of being alone so there were a lot of these physiological this thing uh, physiological problems i had problems visiting the loo you know a gents loo i would never walk inside a gents loo so because of these and i had very low self esteem in yes. the sense that not when i was getting raped but when i started realizing what was happening to me i had mm-hmm. very low self esteem the result of that was i went to work only when i was like 24 25 till that time i couldn't master i just wanted to keep studying and keep studying so in the end i have many degrees but i had those degrees as an escape mechanism because i didn't want to be in a position where i'm in the workplace and uh, everyone starts bullying me or i would think that people would come and spit at me or bully me or mm-hmm. something of that kind so mm-hmm. i was very um, very afraid and uh, yes there was this one phase where i was self destructive i never took on to drugs i never took on to alcoholism um but uh, but yes i did start feeling that my body was disfigured and i was not looking good um so i had that feeling um the only addiction that i kind of put myself through at one phase of my life was sex um where i did think that um that uh, my body is not worthy enough so i can go and have sex with everybody not for, not really intention of me becoming an infomania mm-hmm. it was about more about 
me offering myself to people because anyways people don't respect me and let anyone take pleasure out of it so mm-hmm. i had that kind of a feeling for a very short phase and luckily i got myself tested for stds and mm-hmm. uh, i came out clean yeah. mm-hmm. Harish, I also sort of read on your website that your mom once uh, placed an ad in the newspaper for your marriage, and um, she was aware that you know uh, about about your sexuality. So, at what point did you tell her? I told my mother when I was um, there was this. Um, I had to eliminate heterosexuality of my options mm, to finally yes. realize mm. that I was homosexual because. Mm. Um, today i'm known as an activist and in fact one of the one of the people who had moved to the court on section yes. 377 yes. but um uh, around that time when i was actually coming to terms with my sexuality all that i wanted was i wanted to get i wanted to i wanted companionship for life and i wanted and i didn't know that a man and a man could get married um or a man and man could could deal with anything that was serious other than sex um uh, so I really thought that um I will get married to a woman so I battled with the idea of uh, me being bisexual uh for mm. for a long time and was that I, was that I, was that a society pressure It was a societal mm. pressure because there was yeah. no there was there was there were absolutely no examples of homosexual love around me mm. so when there were no examples I didn't want to subscribe to it also mm. and uh, so I decided that hey I'm I am going to be um with and, a woman and yeah, uh, yeah. get married to a woman but uh, then i had to realize i wanted to understand if i'm able to have sex with a woman and uh, for that i didn't want to go out and have a date with someone and because at that time my uh, like 19 20 years before things were little people weren't speaking so openly about sex and and yes. you had to lie your way through uh, and to actually go out and have sex with a woman so i didn't want to lie to anyone so i had a chance to go to singapore and mm-hmm. there i went to a place called galen street but there's nothing gain that street and uh, uh, it's uh, it was like a red light district in singapore mm-hmm. so there i had sex with a commercial sex worker a woman um mm-hmm. and um, do i say it funnily today that time it was quite quite scary i always yeah. say it was a one night stand and it didn't stand at all So, so around that time, I realized that I need to stand for what I stand for, and I can't spend the rest of my life living, trying to make mm. out and make up for my sexuality. Uh, then I came back to Bombay, and I opened up to my mother. Mm-hmm. I told her, "Mom, I think I'm gay," and my mother mm. was angry. She was irate at that time, and she said that, "Hey, this." this probably is because of your abuse if you want we'll go to a counselor so i said i told my mother that i have gone to a counselor and i have fixed up an appointment for you and my mother, and <laughs> so that she can explain it to you mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, my mother said that no i don't i'm not coming to a counselor this is just rubbish um what all that you're saying is rubbish so she was very 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 irate and this was the tuesday and um, the appointment with the counselor was on a thursday was on the on was on the same week thursday so we had a wednesday in between and i had just my mother as my companion um so i was incredibly upset and and i've already gone through a trauma in the sense that at 
I had come out to my parents about my um, sexual abuse at 20, 20, 23, 24 is when I was coming out about my sexuality. So it was um, difficult. And my mother also thought, is this because I was sexually abused that I've mm. turned gay? Mm. Uh, because there were no, no conclusive studies around that time. There was not much information around. So it was, uh, it was incredibly, uh, it was an incredibly difficult time. And there were not many news articles or anything also. Mm-hmm. But um, I traveled all the way. Um, when Thursday came, I was all, um, you know, tired and upset. Um, so I came back home from, told my mother that, Mom, if you want me to get married to a woman, I will get married to a woman. Suggest that to me, but only if you had a daughter and you'd get your daughter married off to a gay man. So my mother got up and she hugged me and she told me that I knew you were gay, but I didn't want to confirm because I didn't know if you'd be able to go through the trauma of acceptance from your loved ones once again. Yeah. So yeah, so it was simple after that. It's it's lovely. I mean, the acceptance of your mom and what about your dad? My dad is very accepting right now. Until recently, my partner used to live with us and mm-hmm. uh, live in the mm-hmm. same house. And uh, now, of course, now I'm single and we both are single. But yeah, so at that time, it was, uh, I mean, in the beginning, he did, he did take some time to accept. Took time to accept my, my sex abuse also, because he was like, if he was quiet for so many years, why didn't he fight back? And, you know, mm. it was very difficult to reason with men um, and to make them understand. And although amongst the first, first few cases of male child sexual abuse, in fact, the first case, because when I was looking for people like me who are male survivors of sexual assault, I didn't find a single person who was like me who had gone through sexual assault. So there were no case studies or there were no, mm. no conversation. So even when I came on television and when I spoke about it on television way before, during the Durjashin times I had spoken, um, even around that time, I didn't, it was, it was quite a sensation, but people... Even newspapers didn't know whether they have to carry it or not, though they were though there was this news that was there, you know, mm-hmm. because they because it was it was it had too much of shock value, and uh, and to be the first in anything or to be amongst the first in anything is definitely challenging, you know. So yes, uh, so it is not just challenging for me; it's challenging for my uh, for everyone who's associated around me to understand that something like this was possible. Uh, mm-hmm. The idea of male child sexual abuse didn't exist in our realm. Sure. And Harish, at what point did you start fighting for the LGBTQ rights? When was it that you decided that, you know, I need to do this? See, when I, when I started speaking about sexual sex abuse, I started, yes. about my sex abuse, I started fighting for uh, other survivors, or rather not fighting uh, for them, but fighting with them. Um, mm-hmm. and helping them understanding the demons. The moment I came out about my um, about my sexuality, mm-hmm. I I realized that there are other people who are LGBTQ who need help and who used to come uh, come and speak to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, not just me, me and my mother also started speaking to other um, you know other LGBTQ people. So I think that it's 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 just a circle of life that when you are out and when you know that it's been tough for you, you don't just move ahead and mm. never look back, but you look back and see uh, how many other people are trapped in the same prejudice mindset 
uh, are trapped in the misunderstanding of their gender or their sexuality and are uh, have their lives, uh, lives tied down to patriarchy. Uh, I think it's important to go back and to untie and to untangle all of them. When uh, you were talking and interacting with uh, other LGBTQ, what were their stories in terms of the trauma that you went through? What did this and how, how did the society treat them in terms of their sexuality? What were they facing? And uh, specifically when it comes to mental health, uh, uh, do you think that we as a society are equipped to handle it, you know, at that time and even now post 377? That time things were very different in sense mm. people... There were very few families who were out. And that was like what, five, eight years, nine years, ten years back? Uh, around 10, 15 years back, yeah. Mm. Things were very, very different around that time. Different so, and tough and traumatic. Different and tough and traumatic. And mm. uh, I knew of many people who, you know, we, we you know, it's a, it's a big joke that we used to always tell, okay, okay, call me home to have sex with you only when your wife is not around. <laughs> you know, so so um, male sexuality itself was so tabooed. I mean, it was when it came to women and other uh, genders. Uh, I think it was it was far more uh, far more difficult for them. I mean, when when it was so difficult for men, yes. uh, one can imagine when you are a woman and then you're forced. Um, you know, there's a certain age where you have to get married. That's what yes. the family thinks, and you have the whole family planning for your marriage and planning for your whole kanyadan so i think i think it's it's even more challenging for non male genders mm-hmm. so it was challenging i knew of many people who were getting married there was 377 so many people were getting extorted also there were organizations like hamsafar trust there was an organization like collective call gay bombay so there were organizations and people who were doing good work so the movement was building up but mm-hmm. at the same time, there was also this fear which was lurking behind. Then there was an AIDS epidemic. How are you supposed to advocate the use of condoms uh, when these relationships, I mean, when having sex itself was illegal, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, how mm-hmm. are you supposed to reach out to communities and tell them to be safe and sound when the whole relationship was not considered serious and people were thinking that these these all are frivolous relationships. So how are you, how are you supposed to reach a group that was so ostracized from uh, from all corners? So it was difficult at that time, but with mm-hmm. more awareness and uh, and more uh, this thing, I think things are very different now. Both mm-hmm. um, are still tough. It's mm-hmm. not not a road um, that's very smooth sailing. With more awareness comes more acceptance but with more awareness also comes um, more awareness about about the challenges that one is facing so now of course people do understand um, uh, understand better than those days I would not say that there is no taboo against mental health now yes. but now at least there is that people know that there's someone called a psychologist and there's someone called a psychiatrist and um, so there are many people who know the difference between the two. Uh, there are many people who know of organizations. You can just Google and you can seek help. There is online help possible. There are phone numbers given. So, so, so things are very different now. But if you if you'd ask me if we have arrived as yet, when has any service, you know, any minority, um, no minority would any time be completely i mean we can't really rest on rest on our laurels and say that hey we have arrived and mm-hmm. everyone 
okay because this a challenge will continue all that we can do is equip ourselves to meet the challenges that would emerge sure and harish what kind of trauma would um an lgbtq person face while uh, you know talking about his sexuality by while living his or her life and do you think the mental health community is equipped to handle those traumas oh, well um, the truth is um, you know just as it's it's very insulting to even think right now because we we do have a list um that that we prepare every now and then there are many groups which do that many individuals mm. who do that mm. of good lgbt counselors ideally every counselor should be good but the truth but the fact that we need to put in a list of good counselors means and uh, queer affirmative counselors simply yes. means that there is a complete lag in the way counseling is taught to people mm-hmm. um so um whether whether you do an MA in psychology and you become a counselor or whether you are a psychiatrist i think um you do an mbbs and then do your md and become a psychiatrist irrespective of which stream you have chosen and what exactly you are doing mm-hmm. the awareness even even within the counseling community is mm-hmm. is abysmal you know so so i think that um, awareness is still at a very latent stage but at the same time it is also important to acknowledge that the awareness is growing uh, people are understanding the need for counseling right now absolutely thank you so much harish ayer thank you so much for those words of wisdom and for being so positive and so inspiring thank you thank you so much it's been a pleasure it's okay to love whoever you want to guys do you think that we as a society have become open minded to accept the rights of lgbtqia community Do you have a story which you would like to share with us when it comes to the rights and the lives of LGBTQIA? How sensitive are you as a person to the needs of LGBTQIA around you? Tell us what you think about it. You know where to find us uh, on our website Epilog Media. You can also find us on our Twitter and Instagram handles with the name Epilog Media and Metaphysical Lab. So that's it folks. So thank you for joining in. A lot of love. Our uh, well-being coming your way.